Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Tay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. God bless you, and thank you for tuning in. Today we are in the book of Revelation, and we are continuing in Revelation chapter 11, and we will make a little more progress today, hopefully concluding chapter 11 in the next episode or two. I'd like to begin by reading Revelation chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. It says this, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy one thousand two hundred and sixty days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. I'd like to stop there for today, and there is a tremendous amount in here that we want to try to unpack. It may be that we have to do this over two episodes. But let's begin and we'll see how far we can get. In the previous episode, we looked at the measuring of the temple that John is told he must do. We also understood about these two witnesses and the fact that they are wearing garments of sackcloth. In other words, they're grieving over the sin and idolatry that they're seeing, the wickedness of the people of God and how they've turned away from the Lord, and therefore they are also prophetically warning and grieving because of coming and impending judgment upon the nation and upon the people. Today, I want us to turn to considering who these are and what their real purpose is and why are there two of them. Now, as I mentioned, this may be more than one episode can can do for the sake of time, but let's just see how far we can get today in this message. We are told that there are two witnesses and God gives them power, or actually when you read it in the Greek, it's God gives them of him, of himself, of his power, of his ability. It's a supernatural gift that God gives to them during their time of ministry. We are told who these are in verse 4. Now, that may not make a whole lot of sense, but we will connect the dots with the rest of Scripture to determine what this means. But verse 4 clearly tells us who these are. I want to read that verse again to you. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. So that's who they are. Now, 
we have to search the scriptures and dig a little deeper to understand who that is telling us that they are and what else that tells us about them. But that's the identity of these two witnesses. So we learn there that they are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of all the earth. Now we learn a few other things about these two witnesses. During their ministry for these 42 months, or during this first half of the tribulation, 1260 days, concurrently with this Gentiles being trampling underfoot the city, concurrently these are in their ministry. These two witnesses have their ministry going on, we are told. During this first half of the tribulation, the temple is built or has been built, rebuilt. This is the third temple, and these witnesses are also ministering during the same time. Notice this, that during their ministry, they are invincible. They cannot be harmed or wronged or injured by anybody for the whole 1260 days. And if anyone tries to hurt them, tries to stop them, tries to destroy them, the Bible says that fire will proceed out and that, and it will devour their enemies. It will devour those who try to stand against them and it will kill them. If anybody is trying to kill these two witnesses, they will be killed by this fire. The Antichrist is going to hate them similarly to the way Pharaoh hated Moses and Aaron in Egypt. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the next episode or two. But the Antichrist is going to hate them. He's going to want to shut them up. He's going to want to stop them. But nobody can stop them for this whole 1260 days. This reminds me of Elijah. And I want to read in Second Kings chapter 1. Beginning in verse 9, it says this, Then the king sent to him a captain of fifty with his fifty men. So he went up to him, and there he was, sitting on the top of a hill. And he spoke to him, Man of God, the king has said, Come down. So Elijah answered and said to the captain of fifty, If I am a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Then he sent to him another captain of fifty with his fifty men. And he answered and said to him, Man of God, thus has the king said, Come down quickly. So Elijah answered and said to them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Again, he sent a third captain of fifty with his fifty men. And the third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and pleaded with him and said to him, Man of God, please let my life and the life of these fifty servants of yours be precious in your sight. Look, fire has come down from heaven and burned up the first two captains of fifties with their fifties. But let my life now be precious in your sight. 
And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him, do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king. So we see Elijah having as a part of his ministry at that time, that ability and fire would come against any who would try to stop him during that time period. So that's very similar to what is going to happen here with these two witnesses. Now, we notice also that they wear sackcloth, mourning over sin and impending judgment. And they're also, by doing that, they're sharing God's heart and God's care because God takes no pleasure in bringing judgment. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants people to turn and repent and call upon him. And so we see these two witnesses wearing that sackcloth and sharing God's heart. We see that their ministry will be that they will prophesy. They will speak forth by divine inspiration. It includes the foretelling of future events, especially about the kingdom of God. So their part, their prophecy ministry will include some of that. They will be warning of judgment. They will be talking about the kingdom of God. They will be telling the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, they will be proclaiming that, and they will be prophesying. It also means to declare especially that which only comes by divine revelation. It also talks about acting out or executing the office of the prophet, like the Old Testament prophets. And the Old Testament prophets would warn people of impending judgment if they did not repent would issue the call to repentance, would tell of the future that was going to come, and warn about the judgments. These prophets, these two witnesses, will speak under divine inspiration and set forth divine teaching. God grants them authority, which is the Greek word exousia, their right, their privilege, their mastery, to shut up the heavens, so that there will be no rain during the course of their ministry for three and a half years. Now that also reminds us of Elijah's ministry when Elijah proclaimed that to Ahab and there was no rain for three and a half years in the days of Elijah. These also are given authority over the waters to turn the waters to blood. Just like Moses had such authority when he brought the plagues on Egypt. They also are given the authority to smite the earth with all types of plagues, which also reminds us of Moses and Aaron and the plagues that were brought upon Egypt. And they can do these as often as they will. Now, I want to say something about this because they're they're given carte blanche in a sense, but that proves their testimony. That proves their character. God would not allow them if they had evil intent in using those. God would never give it to them. It speaks highly of whoever these two witnesses are. speaks highly of the fact that God entrusts that to them. They have been proven trustworthy. They are tried and true before the Lord. God knows they share his heart. God knows they share his mission. God knows they share his desire. Their character has been proven, and they have been found trustworthy 
for God to be able to entrust that to them. It proves that they don't just act on a whim. They don't just get angry on a whim and release these kinds of things. It proves that they do not act contrary to God's will or his nature. And it represents a sharing of this authority and dominion to some degree. In the book of Acts, I'd like for us to look at one verse in Acts chapter 15. In Acts chapter 15, it says this, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. And in that chapter, it's talking about the Jerusalem Council and how they were addressing certain questions that were being that were being raised by the Jews who were coming to the Gentile churches who were in freedom, and they were telling them, "Well, you got to also add this. It's not just faith alone in Christ. It's faith plus you got to get circumcised plus you got to do all these things." And so they had to take up this issue in the Jerusalem Council, and they did. But I want to point out this. There was a cooperation. There was a collaboration. There was a sharing of the heart of God. Notice this, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I love that because God doesn't have to include us, but he does. And when we are proven trustworthy, he can entrust these kinds of decisions or these kinds of things to us when he knows that we will share his heart. And so this provides for us proof that these two witnesses will share the heart of the Almighty God and that they will operate in their ministry, whether it's the shutting up of rain, whether it's the turning of water to the blood, whether it's the bringing of plagues, or whether it's causing fire to devour their enemies, or whether it's prophesying under divine inspiration to warn the people to turn back to God to call them to repentance and to tell them about the coming kingdom of God and about where they're headed if they continue in sin. No matter what they'll be doing during those three and a half years, all of that will be in line with the will of the Almighty God, with his nature and with his heart. And that is a great testimony that these two witnesses bear. Praise be to God. I think I'd like to stop here for today simply because the remaining part of what we want to cover about these two witnesses, just for the sake of time, I think it would take us much longer than where we try to keep these truth tidbits to. So I'd like to begin with tomorrow's episode and look at the identity of these two, why are there two, and what is their actual mission or the reason for them, their purpose. What will they be doing? We've considered some basics of that even today, but we want to expound on that and look at a key scripture in the Old Testament that will answer that question and give us much more understanding. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes as we continue reading through the scriptures and learning what God has to say to us in these days. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.